Welcome to Critically Casual with John and Nell. I'm John. I'm Nell. And we're going to talk about random stuff today. We're always going to talk about random stuff. Of course. It's kind of our thing. Yeah. You'll probably disagree. (laughs) Who knows? You might agree as well. But uh, here we go. All right. What are we going to talk about today? What shall we talk about first? I think with all of the um, box office news, I think Joker is probably... You can start with Joker. Probably the one we talk about. Especially considering... I don't think we've discussed our views on it. Mm. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, it's just kind of fun. Like, I just got a message from you saying that you liked it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's one of the movies that I actually went out to see close to release date. And I don't normally do that. I was interested in it from the trailers. And I think Joaquin Phoenix is a good actor, so... Yeah, for me, it actually had no pull. Like, I, I didn't realise uh, Joaquin Phoenix... Oh, you didn't realise he was going to be... No, I knew he was in it, but to me, he didn't have any pull as an actor in a Hollywood movie. It was, oh, the, the trailer's really good. I love the, the music and the editing in the trailer. This looks like an actually good... And you know me, I don't really like superhero DC Marvel movies, right? Yeah, and this is definitely not that. Yeah. Almost to a point that is disappointing to me. That's like one of the criticisms I have of the of the movie, is it's not comic booky enough. Yeah, so for me, that made it more accessible to me, because you know me, like we... I, I'm not a comic book kind of person. Anyway, so I went and saw it. It was um, a pretty full cinema, and it was just really enjoyable. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I don't know if that's surprising or not. The cinematography, the character development... And right from the first scene, I was like, this is a movie that I can relate to. Like, it's a character that I can relate to. Like, he's got some development in there. Obviously, he's a killer and a psychopath, which is the part that I don't want to relate to. But you can see... (laughs) But you do? Yeah, but you see what caused him to go down that path. And even if you don't... Yeah, maybe you don't want to hang out with anyone like that. But it's like, okay... It was real, but then it's also, okay, this is Arkham, so it's definitely not realistic. Like, it's it's different enough so that you can believe the violence and the, the level of degeneracy that's going on in this world. Anyway, so I, I enjoyed the film. What did you think? Well, I also enjoyed it, and I came out of it feeling like, oh, this is one of the greatest comic book movies ever. And then I thought about it more. It's kind of a mediocre comic book movie <laughs> in the end. And it's barely a comic book movie, because you could have called this anything, really. There's not much of the Joker in this film. Yeah, in the the comics that you would see. I mean, in a, in a literal way, he's he only really becomes the Joker towards the end. Mm-hmm. There's references to the comic book, but it's kind of, like, hidden away. And it's almost ashamed of those kind of origins. And Right, now you're talking about the origins of Joker, right? Because there's definitely clear links to Bruce Wayne and his uh, Wayne Enterprises and that family. So there's that like very clear connection. But I know what you mean, like there's not really... Those are like elements of the story, but mm. they're references in name only. Like, are you, are you kind of after the, the old Batman movies where Joker's like completely off the rails and he's like evil and no no because like those elements are there but it feels like some of the personality of the joker is stripped away because if you look at previous incarnations like jack nicholson's or heath ledger 
Heath Ledger. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I was, I'm still thinking yeah. in the, the 1990s. Okay, good. They weren't exact portrayals of the comic book character, but they still felt true to the character in a way that this one kind of doesn't. And I suppose because we don't really get to see much of of the Joker really acting out in any way, mm. he shoots a couple of people, but I feel like it would have been more interesting if they had work in the Joker gas or something that's more traditional and zany. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you there. In the sense that it's like, it's not a comic book kind of villain origin film, because I agree there. They did a good job explaining or showing the death of Bruce's parents and how that all tied in. And I thought it was interesting that, like... That was really interesting. Yeah, because it like, wasn't... It kind of happens towards the end where you're not sure what's reality or whether anything in the film was real. Okay, so that's not what I read into it, but sure, that's open to interpretation. Have you watched Taxi Driver? I think I have not. I think it's been on my list for a while, but I haven't. Yeah. Why? It's the same thing for me, and from my understanding, a lot of people say this movie is basically Taxi Driver, but not as good. Okay. Well, we probably shouldn't stay straight too much from Joker, but like for background because I'm like completely in the dark on that like what do you mean if I had watched Taxi Driver or was familiar with it I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this film as much because it would have been a very familiar kind of setup because Taxi Driver is fundamentally about a taxi driver unraveling over time mm -hmm. which could be completely wrong because like I haven't watched it <laughs> you haven't watched but it that's oh, no. yeah I haven't watched Taxi Driver but it's on my list as well yeah maybe we should yeah Eventually. Eventually. But but Joker is kind of similar, a similar tale of like someone unraveling. And I think the reason why Joker works is because of the performance of mm. Joaquin Phoenix. I think if it was anyone else, this movie probably would have fallen apart. Because it's not, it's not a particularly tightly made film. It's pretty ham-fisted in many ways. Hmm. I don't know about that. I thought it was pretty um, organic like in, in how things kind of unraveled for the character. But look, we started on this point because you were saying that it wasn't a traditional kind of superhero, or, sorry, supervillain origins film. And I can agree with that because yeah, it is. Did it need the Joker DC attachment to it? I don't think so, but that's definitely what kind of pulled me in because it was so different to every other Joker depiction. And that trailer, like I said, that was the thing that got me in because I was like, whoa, this is... Well, I feel like you largely could have kept the film the same, but just had him appear more like the traditional Joker towards the end. And I think that's kind of where it kind of fails as like something as part of the Batman mythology. Like, it's hard to see how this one would, like, to see Joaquin Phoenix going up against Ben Affleck. Yeah, to see him, like, battling Ben Affleck. Well, obviously, because it's, like, two different timelines now. Yeah. It's like, do those two worlds collide in a DC universe? I don't know. Because one's, like, this super R.A.T. This doesn't look like the creation of the arch nemesis of Batman. This seems like an interesting commentary on mental health and how society ignores them. And... Which is kind of exactly why I, I really enjoyed it. Because it was so... It had so many more layers than the regular... I say regular. I mean, people can take me up on that. But, like, Marvel, DC, just your standard superhero movie or supervillain movie where it's like things happen that's in accordance with canon in the comics and then it's a happy ending whereas this one was like yeah this one had a bit of an artistic side to it especially with the cinematography yeah the cinematography was definitely great yeah and this one felt much more like a piece of art like a piece of 
cinema, whereas the, I guess the other kind of DC Marvel movies are just Hollywood flicks. Yeah, they're definitely more like popcorn movies. But the more I thought about it, because when I came out of it, like that was one of the, the main things that I, I took away was it really went in deep. It, the movie had a lot more depth than your traditional comic book movie, but I don't think that's as exceptional as I initially thought because Explain. Black Panther was quite a big movie historically and a lot of the characters had a lot of depth and in many ways it was kind of more carefully constructed than this film. Okay, I admit I haven't seen Black Panther. You haven't seen Black Panther. I haven't yeah, seen I Black know. Panther. <laughs> yeah, and this, I guess this kind of goes what to the... What Marvel movies have you seen? <laughs> um, Iron Man... One, two, three, the Avengers, all of them. Yeah, you've seen like the most disposable Marvel at at its most disposable. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe those other movies just aren't marketed toward me as well. Like in the way that this one was, because it felt like a a piece of cinema, like a piece of film, which is why I went and saw it. Like, and it's not like Black Panther was like a perfect film or anything, but it did have depth. It like the villain had a lot of weight behind him and he was probably like one of the most interesting characters mm. in the film and in Marvel generally, because it goes into kind of the racial inequality of America and what it means to have a people and a place to belong. And there's like a lot of different elements that are, are really interesting and are commented on in that film. I'll take your word While for still it. being kind of like a Marvel action-y film. Yeah. So that was... It still felt a comic book film. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange shook things up in different ways as well. They made some bad choices in that as well. But the, the point is, the depth that you see in Joker isn't necessarily as unique as you would think. Yeah. Well, I think that there maybe. are demonstrations of that in other comic book films. So, Well, certainly the presentation was unique. While my initial takeaway was like, oh, this is really cool that we're seeing these different kinds of things. I mean, I don't think anyone's taken on mental health or anything, but... Yeah. If there's any kind of takeaway that I want Hollywood to get from this film, it's that, like, I think audiences and, you know, people are really enjoying this film. It's going to break one billion box office. Mm. And I think one of the things that really gets me about the other comic book films, like adaptations, is that there's this this level of cheesy humour that's just constant throughout the films. It's that kind of gotcha uh, humour that's in all of the films and that kind of greats because it, it's not my level of humor and this movie didn't have any of that i don't think it didn't really have any kind of like cheap jokes in it and that was refreshing i gotta say very refreshing and you know if hollywood takes a message from it it's just like just your audiences can deal with a bit more maturity <laughs> a, a, a few more mature themes there's like a certain document to this film though yeah definitely where and that's what i liked about it they do kind of things and then you laugh about it and then like later on as the, as the characters more reveal you kind of feel guilty about it because you're really kind of laughing at arthur fleck or joker mm. and yeah how dysfunctional he is and how kind of out of touch with reality he is who knows maybe that's what the director wanted to show in us it's like how how easy it is to to feel disconnected from people with mental health or people who aren't, you know, integrated into society and things like that. Maybe. But I just want to say, this is Todd Phillips, a director, who uh, has made such films as Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, The Hangover movies. You know, this is quite a d- departure for him. And It's a huge departure. In some ways it does show in the way because everything feels telegraphed in the story i don't think i was surprised by anything that really happened i think i was also not surprised but that could be because i might may have heard spoilers before going into the film but yeah certainly nothing was surprising 
surprising in it. But that's okay, right? It's it's quite a simple story. Like, there's no big twist at the end. Yeah, and it doesn't really need, like, a big twist. It's just a well-done film, I think. And I think Hollywood's been missing that the last few years. I think it's competently done. I don't know about well done. Well, the audiences love it. They love it. Again, if uh, Joaquin Phoenix wasn't involved and without his performance, I think this movie would fall apart in a big way. I will commend him for doing a very good performance. Like, it was very believable and that was, uh, yeah, spot on. Like, it's hard to get that level of immersion, I guess, in a character. Good on him. Where did you see this, by the way? In a regular Hoyt's cinema. Hoyt's cinema, okay. No, no, uh, Village. Yep. Whatever the other one is, yeah. I think it's Village. And how was the audience? Like, how many people were there in the cinema? Yeah, it was pretty packed at the time. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think that's where I noticed mostly about, you know, where they were laughing at certain things. Well, the only moment I remember uh, where the, the whole cinema erupted into laughter was the children's hospital scene. And that one was actually funny. <laughs> I found that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. which is, you know, this dark humor thing that we're talking about, like, obviously, it's not a funny situation to have a gun in a children's hospital. But uh, yeah, like just the way yeah. that it was shown was but like also the other scene, you know, when they're in the clown change room. Yes. And he's asked to go speak to the boss and someone tells a joke and then he does that awkward laugh. That was like a big laugh for everyone. Do you mean when he's walking down the corridor? Yeah. And then he, like, laughs and then stops laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of see on his face that it's, like, he's he's laughing because everyone else is laughing. And he's put on this thing that he thinks is, like, human enough. Hmm. And that kind of comes up, like, later when he's in the, the comedy club. Hmm. And he has that same thing. And then there's the nervous tick laugh that goes throughout the movie as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, like, that became a big part of the... the the character but yeah you kind of feel guilty about it later when you realize oh he doesn't he doesn't understand at all he's like completely out of touch with mm. society and where everyone else is at well what i read into the laugh was that it was his way of um because it's it's like a disassociation between you know laughing and what he's feeling and that it actually made me sad every time that he laughed because it, it was kind of i just replaced his laughing with sadness and, and when you looked at it in that way, then it was kind of just really sad. It was just like a sad commentary on society and how people treat each other and how they treat weaker people in society. Yeah. So that's what made it, you know, very... Like, I know it's, it's kind of on the nose a bit if you think about it, but it's, it's a commentary. It's a bold commentary to make. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it for being different. But I think it's interesting because at the start of the film, people were laughing because of the awkwardness of it. Yeah, And I think that creates a tension and like the only thing to relieve that is to laugh. Whereas later on in the film, I think people kind of worked out like he's not, I think they start to pity the character more. So Mm. yeah, that, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was an interesting part of the character. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the Joker? Well, at the end of the film, how, like, what's your takeaway, like, in the final moments? I have to recall now, because it's been a, it's been a good few weeks. Um, I, like many people, stayed behind after the credits to see if there was going to be an after-credits scene. Was there an after-credits scene? There because... wasn't. Spoiler alert. Oh, good. Because I did not waste my time. <laughs> there wasn't. But what was my takeaway? Do you mean the final scene with the blood in the hospital? 
So there's kind of like two endings. There's the ending where basically after the car crash and he gets pulled out of the car and then he gets on top of the cop car and does that dance thing that he does. Yep. And then you kind of end up in like presumably Arkham Asylum and him talking to his new therapist and then you see the walk away and a trail of blood and stuff. Yep. So how do you, un- I don't know, unpack either one of them or both of them? See, like, it it didn't occur to me that they were two separate endings or that there were possibilities. I just read it as he transformed into Joker. This is the scene on the car with the blood on his face and him being glorified. And then somehow, I guess, he's captured and then he's just put into the asylum where he continues to kill people, including his new therapist. And that's what I read into it. It was just he's now completed his descent into madness and he's just killing for the sake of killing. So... My takeaway is that what you get basically until the point where you see him talking to that therapist is basically him telling the story to that therapist. Okay. Who then he subsequently kills because he's a joker. But that's what he does. Like. So we've kind of had like an unreliable story of oh, the joker's origins, basically. So you're saying that the, the entire movie up to that point was his narration of the story. Which, yeah. which could have been unreliable. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean... I mean mm. There were things in the film that were already unreliable, like his whole relationship with that girl. Yeah. Which kind of annoyed me a little bit because I really like Zazie Beetz as an actor and she really didn't have much to do with her. She yeah. could have been anyone. I thought they would have taken that a bit further, actually. But, yeah. Oh, but, well, I think there's a point to it. Like, artistically, it actually makes sense because, mm. you know, these are kind of hallucinations. It's his delusions. Yeah. And, like, because it's the delusions, there's a lot of the details missing for him from what we're seeing so it kind of makes sense you know kind of like when you daydream about something happening Mm. you kind of only focus on you know the major points of it you don't you know daydream every single detail right yeah so okay so my take on your theory which is um which is that he's telling the story up until that point and then that's the real timeline uh when he's in the hospital i don't I don't think it's, I don't think it needs to be that complicated. It could be possible, but I definitely didn't read that much uh, into it. Just because that would kind of cheapen it. You know those like storylines where it's like things happen and then it's all a dream at the end? That would be, that would be that like cheapening of the story. And I don't think they were going for that. But, you know, I, I read it on face value. I have two reasons for my desire for this to be like the official canon. First is more like i think the joker is most interesting as like an agent of chaos where like nothing is true about his past and i think kind of like the alien series where the alien's more interesting like the less you see him well that's like every horror you feel what you don't know Mm. and so the more you get to see the alien and the more you find out about him the less scary and less interesting it is so the joker kind of has like a similar a similar thing where the more you pin down his origin the less interesting he is. Like, that's why I was not keen on seeing this movie. I was like, I don't want to see a Joker film. Seems dumb. But uh, I was actually surprised that I enjoyed it so much. Uh, the second reason is they've now said that they, they have some ideas for sequels. Mm. And I think it would be more interesting to have sequels be alternate origin stories and to have them, like, comment on different things. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, that would cheapen the entire movie for me. That would, that would kind of retcon it. In a way. That would totally retcon it for me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with that. But yeah, let's talk quickly about the sequel option as well. Okay. Before we get into the sequel stuff, like just on the, um, on, on your theory thing, like for me, it doesn't seem really 
plausible not on a plausible but it's just like it's not presented the entirety of the things that happened it's not presented in a kind of way that would make me think that he's making it all up toward the end of the film he's kind of like the people's hero like he'll he starts saying things that i guess the audience agrees with who's the who's the host uh i forget the the, character name the character name yeah uh, uh, Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin. The yeah. Doctor host. Yeah. So he's like he's like spilling truths to the host, and he's kind of become this agent for truth. Um, and then to say that he's kind of you know starting to make things up at, uh, in the hospital scene is like I don't. It doesn't quite follow. So that's why I don't think it's it's like a dream sequence or like a, a retelling sequence. That's my take. Well, on. I don't know. Like the way he gets on that show, like being called up at random and stuff. And I mean, I guess it's like people's jobs to kind of do that, but I don't know. The whole thing doesn't seem like a super plausible series of events. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a bit of I mean, suspension of disbelief. It's not completely unrealistic, but I think it's more interesting for it not to be like a suspension of disbelief. Having these flaws in, in the story be the fact that, you know, it's flaws in the Joker trying to make himself out to be both like the victim and the hero. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> I like it just the way it is, which is where Joker's like the victim of society and he's turned into a killer. So it seems like the natural progression for me. But do we want to talk about the sequel potential? Oh yeah. Um, yep. So reaching the end of this film, I saw no potential for a sequel. And originally I'd heard they had no plans to do a sequel. Mm. And now I've heard that they have plans to do a sequel. And I'm like, what yeah. are they going to do? 100% but- agree. <laughs> Hundred percent agree. My reasons being, I really feel like they shouldn't do a sequel. My reasons being, unless they do what I suggest, which would turn my entire opinion on this on this film around. But um, okay, the reasons being that this is like it's a complete story. There's no real need to create a sequel. It's just like it's contained, and I don't know where they could take it. Like obviously, there there are some great writers in Hollywood, and they can take it wherever they want. But I don't feel like it's been set up to be like a sequel thing. Yeah. And, and if it was, I also did hear that they weren't planning on doing a sequel, which is why the story is the way it is. Yeah, I feel like that they could really botch it up. Yeah, I feel like they'll kill the golden goose here. Well, there's not a golden goose here. I think they think there is, but all they have is a golden egg. They've got one really good piece of art here. And if they start turning I think turning there's definitely it... stuff for DC to learn and Warner Brothers Pictures to learn about, you know, movies. But they're they're billion dollar corporations, so they're probably going to learn the wrong lessons and screw everything up. Yeah, I'm more worried that now Joaquin Phoenix and the director are kind of on board and yeah, seem gung ho about sequels now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. who knows? They could they could like knock it out of the park. They might have great ideas, but you know. Well, we all know what sequels end up being, right? Not as yeah, good most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm willing to you know give it a shot, but like. Oh, I'm not feeling great about a sequel, and I, I would, I would have so much more respect if they just said this was a standalone, shut off that ecosystem, and say this is a piece of art that we created. It was really good. It made a lot of money, but you know we've got other projects on the go. I don't see a real need to make a sequel here. You know, I stand to be surprised. I think they should. I think Warner Brothers should make more Joker-style projects where they're kind of just standalone stories and just interesting takes on DC characters. You mean like Jared Leto's Joker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, Jared Leto is so salty about this film. It's hilarious. Is that legit though? Like, like, is he actually... That's what you get for being a d- on set. 
I mean, that's not why. It's because everyone hated him as the Joker. Yeah. Has he actually come out with, like, official statements saying, I don't like this? Or, like, what's the deal there? I think there was... I can't remember exactly, but there, there are definitely some statements from his camp that he's, like, not happy about it. I think he tried to get his uh, agent to, like, kill the movie. <laughs> because he was set to do a bunch of... He, like, had a contract to do, you know, a, a bunch of, like, Joker films and joker appearances in in the dce but that's not happening now so nope and if you saw the uh, birds of prey trailer the first thing that uh, harley quinn says is like i broke up with joker <laughs> I, I i actually think that the joker should be the villain of that film even though he wasn't a great joker i think he he could have had like a second chance there and the joker should be the villain of that film I mean, it's called Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. I.e. Harley Quinn and Now they and have to, like, awkwardly kicks. introduce, like, a second villain, have some relationship between Harley Quinn and him that's going to be like, oh, this is a Joker standard. Mm. I don't know. It could be great. Frankly, I think they should have called it just Birds of Prey, but that's kind of weird because, like, I don't think any of the characters in the movie are related to any of the comic book Birds, Birds of, of Prey characters. Yeah. I, I... It seems more like... Gotham City Sirens. I'm, uh, I'm obviously not into the... Which you obviously don't know about. I don't but, know yeah. about, but um, just from my layman's perspective version, like looking at the trailer, I'm like, this is a Harley Quinn movie, basically. Yeah. And, I'll um, see how it goes. You know. I'll probably watch it. Mm. I'm not particularly excited for it, though. Mm. I'm more interested to see what they're going to do with the Suicide Squad. Oh, goodness. Because they're that making another happening? one of them. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do with Joker then? He's just like gone, right? Yeah, he's not coming back. I don't think, I don't think so, be. no. Also because for the, the, the sequel to the Suicide Squad or the soft reboot of the Suicide Squad or whatever, however they're going to pitch it, they brought in the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn. Mm. So he has like a huge problem with Jared Leto. So Nice. <laughs> like he was never going to hire him for, for the movie. So... Because he did Guardians of the Galaxy and he did some interesting stuff there. It's a bit bro-heavy, but I think he has, like, an interesting way of doing things. Because no one gave a shit about Guardians of the Galaxy before the movies came out. Like, they were a comic book property, but I definitely didn't know who they were. I only found out. Yeah. Because of the movie. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I still don't really know or care. But that's just me. I'm not into that. Yeah, but you don't follow any of the... No. The comic book films. As a but like you fan. follow the comic books question mark i go through phases where i get super into them and then i kind of drop out because because the comic books have this problem of like being super long-running things they kind of reach a point where they have to reset the character yeah and, and they, they do it really they really so. like rebooting their comic books a yeah, lot but they don't they don't hard reboot it they do a soft reboot thing where it's like oh all the canon's still true but like they're back where they were before. In a like, different universe or something? No, in the same universe. Right. Sometimes they destroy the universe and remake it and stuff, but it, generally it's the same universe. Right. Okay, my head's spinning now. <laughs> let's yeah, uh... no, d let's not get into it. Let's it's not. A, it's a topic for another time. A topic for another but I think, time. I think, that, I think we've summed up our thoughts on the Joker and like other comic book movies and stuff. Exactly. All right, so now we're done with the Joker. What else do we want to talk about today? Well... Just looking at our topics, I think Pokemon's pretty relevant, seeing as it's about to release. Oh, yeah. All right, let's talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield then. Sharing our uninformed opinions with the world. Correct. <laughs> Somewhat informed. Somewhat uninformed. <laughs> we hope. 
mostly yeah. I'm uninformed. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a bit more about that, John? How informed are you with Pokemon? I basically kind of know the first 150, and then it drastically drops off from there. Ah, uh, but you played, like, which ones have you played? That's the question. I've played most of them up until Black and White, and then after that, I took a break, and I came back for... Was Soul Silver afterwards or before? Um, which one? Soul Silver and Heart Gold. Soul Silver. That's one of the remakes. I think that yeah. was after Black and White. Yeah, because it was still in the, the DS era. Because yeah, Soul Silver was still. Just looking at the timeline for Pokemon. It was still 2D sprites. Pretty sure it came after Black and White. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. No. So, I never watched the anime. I played the card game incorrectly for a bit. Didn't we all? <laughs> I don't think I ever knew the officials until, like, much after. And you played Let's Go? Uh, yeah, I played Let's Go, and I think Black and White was the only one I didn't finish that I owned. Yeah. But after Black and White, I, I skipped Black and White 2, X and Y, the Ruby and Sapphire remake, mm-hmm. Sun and Moon. I'm looking at a list, that's why I know. <laughs> Very good. I, and then I came back for Let's Go, but I didn't finish that either. And while I actually kind of liked Let's Go, fine. So, so kind of starting like... off, I have no interest in Sword and Shield. I never had it. <laughs> Very good. I'd summarize you like as, you know, kind of the, the average Pokemon consumer, I guess. Just kind of like dropping in and out of the series and then... And... I feel like I'm maybe a level low below that. Like, I have a level of disinterest in Pokemon. Well, question. Did you play Pokemon Go, the mobile one? I briefly that... played it when it first was released. Yeah, so like, interest in Pokemon, grew up with it, and then just, you know, isn't super important. So, you know, I'd say, like, pretty casual, but a bit above casual. You're, you're definitely more into it than I am. I'm definitely more into it. Yes. So, my history with it started right at the beginning. Pokemon Blue and Red, played through all of the series and main games, even tried some of the spin-offs as well. Ranger, Troze, played the card game, played the card game on Game Boy and also the pinball game. Like, I've I've experienced pretty much a huge chunk of the Pokemon series and even got into competitive a bit, breeding. So I was pretty into it. And you know, I, I actually went... got into that part of it as well. Oh, really? Towards the end, yeah. That was oh, the I... appeal to me. As the series went on, the appeal kind of shifted towards the hidden depth of Pokemon. Yeah. With the breeding, that getting the perfect IV values. Wait, is it Ivy or...? Uh, yeah, IVs. Yeah, IVs. So getting those perfect IVs with the appropriate nature and stuff. Yeah. I like, I was still picking Pokemon by how cool I thought they were. So I wasn't making a competitive team, but I wanted like the best version of that <laughs> team possible. So even though it was kind of a trash team, as a mutual friend of ours would constantly tell me. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> right, so like I've, I've pretty much played most of the, if not all of the mainline games, um, up until Ultra Sun and Moon. So Sun and Moon, I completed the Elite Four, but that's when I kind of stopped. I didn't do any of the post-game. And yeah, here we are at the precipice of the release of Sword and Shield. And we've kind of been treated to leaks on the internet of the Pokemon that are to come, as well as the number of Pokemon... the Pokemon that are not to come. (laughs) That are not to come in this game, yes. For those who haven't heard, this is the first Pokemon mainline game where not all Pokemon from the past will be included in the game. And this was like a controversial reveal at the E3, I think, this year. Right. That's kind of where I think they, a lot they of... They did it on like their live stream, right? They didn't do it in the actual 
direct. Correct. It wasn't in the direct. It was in the um the treehouse. What do they call it afterwards? The treehouse playthrough or like the preview of the game afterwards. Um, and thank goodness we stayed on because I remember we were streaming that. Yeah. And then we stayed on a bit. Should we bit... talk about Pokalexa? Oh, I don't know, man. Because it's kind of a dead stream, so I don't know if it's worth promoting. <laughs> I mean, it's not gonna hurt, but like, it's not a thing, is it? Like, we're not like. <laughs> it's not a thing right now. Well, we have a Twitch channel called Pokaluxa, link in the show notes. So you scribble.io to basically play Pokemon Pictionary. And me, not really knowing any Pokemon, was at a huge disadvantage compared to everyone else. <laughs> it was us and a couple of other friends. So check it out if you want. We might bring it back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we, I spoke about this with uh, Deb and Greg, our other two compadres, and we're thinking we could get back into it. But, you know, let's see how this goes with Sword and Shield and the release and everything like that. Oh, by the way, yeah, it is called Nintendo Treehouse. Nintendo Treehouse, okay. That's their live stream of gameplay and stuff. Yeah. So we were talking about basically what Pokemon were not being included. So Dexit, mm. as it's been called. Yep. Dex it because the Pokedex is leaving. Well, the national decks has left in any case. So I think back when we were streaming and then there was this reveal that there wouldn't be all Pokemon from the past included. I think people were saying in the region of, okay, maybe a hundred Pokemon or 200 Pokemon would be cut. It's been revealed in the leaks that most likely 60% of past Pokemon uh, will be cut in the games. Ouch. Yes, there's a lot of fan favorites that we'll be missing there. The image I'm looking at, I'll stick in the show notes, and there's a lot of red. <laughs> there is a lot of red. And it comes to, with the new Pokemon included, I think about 400 Pokemon in uh, available in Sword and Shield. It is a big amount. Like, the original game had 150. This game will have 400 available. But there's a few things going on there. Like, it's not just that there's not fan favorites in this game, it's that going on into the future, there's like there, there won't be a mainline Pokemon game after this point where all Pokemon will be in it. This is what the director of Pokemon has said. So, what, what are your thoughts? Let, let's get your thoughts first. Okay, so in principle, I would actually be okay with this. But mm. there's a couple of caveats that changes my opinion. The big one being they sell a service for you to keep, store, and like transfer Pokemon to other games. Correct. But now you can't necessarily transfer all your Pokemon. So they shouldn't be selling that service. That should be free. 100%. This is just one of the uh, egregious things about this. I think um, the service you're talking about is either Pokemon Bank or Pokemon Home, which is what they're going to call it after yeah. they release the new version. And what I hear is it's going to be somewhere in the $10 year range or per month range. Per month would be a bit expensive. Per month would be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. $10 a year, I don't know, I still feel like it's being really deep. Well, it's the principle of it. Yeah, it's more of the principle of it, because, like, it's never going to be a service I use. Well, I mean, oh, you can choose not... Catching Pokemon you can choose, of course, not to use it, but what is going to happen is that people who already have their Pokemon in Pokemon Bank, and those Pokemon aren't available to transfer into Sword and Shield, then they're going to have to continue to subscribe and pay the service to keep so, yeah, to keep those pokemon alive right so that's just one of the i think side effects i don't think yeah, this was I, i'm intended. more annoyed by the principle like it's not a good thing for consumers yeah i think it's very anti-consumer absolutely and i don't think this was intended by this decision from dexter i don't think like anyone up there in their director's board said oh let's lock consumers in by cutting out the decks i don't think that was intended at all yeah 
that's not what it's doing. It's just devaluing one of their own products. It's a weird decision from that standpoint. But I do kind of understand the arguments. That's a lot of Pokemon to like balance. Maybe they don't have to have every single Pokemon to be perfectly balanced, but they do need to have like some portion of it to be reasonably balanced. Mm. And I do think that if you're doing higher fidelity art for a lot of Pokemon, then yeah, it does kind of make sense to kind of limit that to a more manageable size. So, so people have kind of analyzed the graphics that have been shown, and it turns out the that graphics the graphics is a bit shit. They're not they're not improved, and a lot of the reasons that that um, not by enough, yeah. they are improved. Well, yeah, it's a new it's a new rendering engine etc etc like who knows how many more polygons they've added and stuff like that but uh, the main reason that they gave for the dexit was balance improving animations and graphics basically and and none of that's really been shown to um to people in the trailers and so there's, there's you know a bit of pushback to this decision my argument is if graphics was a major concern it should kind of look better than it does and if balance is a concern, I don't think you need much balance in the single player mode. Correct. Most of Pokemon, you can kind of sleepwalk through. And that's kind of one of the many reasons why it's lost me over time. And I know it's a children's game, but it is what it is. Which brings me to my kind of opinion on the whole Dexit thing. I'm not terribly affected by Dexit. Like, I, I never transferred Pokemon up into the Pokemon games. And that's not my thing. But I can see why people are annoyed by it. No, my issue with the games right now, and what we've been shown, basically, is that this this game is the same game that we've been playing for the last 20 years. It's like the same gameplay, it's the same story, archetype, with the same villains, and we're basically doing the same thing over and over and over again. I think I probably started realizing this at Sun and Moon, where that was even worse because of the tutorials. The whole game was just a big tutorial. Yeah, I heard that. Oh, it was terrible. It was awful. Like, it, it was not even a meme it was it was a nightmare to play because it was every two steps you took there was a cutscene. there was someone telling you something giving you something yeah so that was just not enjoyable um, which is why i didn't get ultra sun and moon as well but yeah from what i've seen in the trailers of sword and shield it looks like exactly the same game and um i'm just not terribly hyped for it i'm not planning to get it that's my thing i mean for me i was like never planning to get it it was coming at the opposite direction where they had to convince me to buy it mm. looking at this image and seeing like what they decided to remove seems really bizarre to me mm. so they got rid of Bulbasaur and Squirtle but they kept Charmander of course they did yeah it's weird to like single out one of the starters but not have all of the original starters in there absolutely there's there's not really any logic to it it's very arbitrary and it doesn't feel organic at all and I suppose, like, I have a fondness for the first 150. And I do like the gold and silver ones. Cause... So I should actually mention, I had, like, a bootleg copy of gold. <laughs> I think everyone and... did, right? <laughs> yeah, but the interesting thing was, you know how you can unlock, like, the original region? Mm -hmm. What is it, Kanto? Yep. Yeah, so once you unlock the Kanto region, sometimes the dialogue lines were changed and altered. And so... Mm, really? one npc it was just swear words <laughs> yeah it, it, it was just profanity and swear words i think it was like in the town with the ghost town mm -hmm. yeah where you need the uh, silver scope 
that's why I liked Gold and Silver so much, was you got to play this new region, and then you got to go visit the old region as well. And yeah, like, of course. an expansive world and stuff. And no games after that really captured that experience for me. No. And the further we went on, I just became less and less interested, because the story was never brilliant, you know. It's, it's a children's story, mm. which is fine, but yeah, not for me. Yeah, no, agreed. Oh no, and for us... Our yeah. Is excluded. Goodbye. A lot of them, I mean, 60% of I them like, are excluded. I, I don't know why, because Afros is pretty derpy looking, but I do have a fondness for it. I think it was like one of my best Pokemon in the original Gold. Yeah. Like everyone's got memories of every single Pokemon. Yeah. I was reading some of the forum posts and some people are like, oh yeah, my, my favorites got in. Well, guess what? It's probably not going to make it into the next one. So this issue yeah. isn't, isn't like a winners and losers thing. It's like everyone will at some point lose out. Yeah, I, I don't know. Whatever people think about Dexit, my biggest concern with it is the competitive scene because there's like uh, so many strategies that you could do. And maybe this goes to the balance thing, but like they revealed uh, Galarian Wheezing earlier this year, which uh, neutralized abilities and people are coming up with so many I saw that ideas. In blue, but I didn't know the details. Yeah, like this is starting to get quite competitive, but people are coming up with strategies. Oh, we can combine this Pokemon with. Slaking with Regigigas, etc. And it's like, because we still don't know if these leaks are true. Like, we still don't know if these Pokemon are the cut Pokemon. When you think of building a competitive team and you want to be creative with your team, it's like you can't really because you're only limited to this set of Pokemon now. And what you thought was going to be possible is no longer going to be possible. So I don't know. I think I don't think it's good for competitive. Um, so how has competitive worked in the past? Like, do they alter the balance over time, or is oh, it no. pretty much as released? No, there's no balance patches um, okay. after a game's released. Yeah. I think Nintendo should probably get on board a patch train for that one. Absolutely, because like, then... You need to alter it over, like, a season, and instead of cutting Pokemon, they should just have a ban list for, like, official tournaments. Yeah. For strategies that kill the meta, like, that's probably the way to go. Yeah. Sometimes you need to do subtle changes, sometimes you just need an outright ban. So, so there are certainly, um... Restrictions, like, you can't use legendaries, right? Uh, or something. No, there's there's different levels of the competitive. So, okay, so, uh, kind of a disclaimer here. I'm not, like, fully into competitive, but I know a bit about it. And there's, like, the Smogon boards where they have tier lists, they've got ban list, and things like that. But that's not official. The official format, the VGC format, is the two-on-two where there's no restrictions. You can only use unique Pokemon, like, there's no doubles. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, that's also region restricted, I think, depending on the season that's and stuff like that. to have your official format as a 2v2. To be honest, I think it's more exciting. Was it just because that was what was popular? Uh, no idea, actually. So this is this is where my, my hardcore-ness ends, I guess. Because <laughs> the theory craft of Pokemon doesn't interest me all that much. Like, I was interested in, like, the hidden gameplay elements until I found it just annoying <laughs> to do. Oh, man. I spent so many hours trying to hatch the perfect, uh, I think it was a Snorunt. And then I got a shiny. I was like, whoa, awesome. But, you know. Well, for me, it was the bullshit process of calculating your IVs and stuff. It eventually gave, led me to, like, give up on that. From a game design point of view, I don't like hiding information from the player. Yeah, but it's nice to have some secrets, so then it's like... I guess that's the hardcore community. They get to talk about it and... 
I guess. Like, I do think having secrets are kind of cool to have something to discover, but for it to affect gameplay mm. is kind of a bit much. And I know it only matters at this highest tier level that most people will never play at. So I guess it's fine. Yeah, they are trying to address that in some of the latest updates. Like I think Sword and Shield has abilities sorry they've got mints which allow you to change natures and then adjust ivs and things like that so they're they're making it a bit better that's interesting but i actually don't mind the fact that you have to grind and stuff it's more that why don't just tell me what the iv value is why do i have to like Mm. go find like an iv calculator level up my pokemon and like track the stat changes each time and stuff yeah like that's annoying i believe in the latest games they've got ways to tell exactly what you've got so yeah i think let's go actually change that up a bit yeah but i i I didn't get that far into it so yeah no 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 there was also no breeding in let's go i don't think but beside the point there's no breeding anyway so i mean that's that's like i guess my summary of the the whole issue yeah so that's like our our feelings on on dexit but our disinterest in the franchise is actually not really related to Dexit, which is kind of funny. Which is funny, yeah. I think for a lot of people it's different. I think the general consensus, when I read on the boards and stuff, people are kind of upset with just how little the game has evolved over the years. Like you've got all these Nintendo franchises breaking the mold. You've got Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Mario yeah. Odyssey, you know, Animal Crossing, and everyone's getting exactly what they want, a Switch full 3D experience. And then we get Pokemon, where it's kind of just the same, same, but with updated graphics. I think and not even, like, that impressively upgraded graphics. Just not like even that of, impressive, yeah. It's it's competent, but it's not like this blows my mind or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not like a particular art style. And it's not something where, that I feel is, like, limited by the Switch being, you know, not the most powerful system out there. Nintendo's proven they can do amazing stuff on the switch through good art design exactly let's uh let's talk about the new pokemon designs then which i haven't seen at all you haven't seen at all well that's not entirely true i saw the uh, initial release on the streams but i don't think i've seen much after that yeah i'm talking about the leaked designs now oh no i I haven't seen any okay so this will be interesting let's uh have a look if this oh so the starters have been leaked current will we put this in the show notes yeah, I'll, I'll stick a link to the show notes, but it may be broken. Because Nintendo's going on a DCMA rampage, taking down all the leaks. Alrighty, I'd like to just give a quick summary of the uh, new designs. Like, my take is that there are some really awesome designs in here, but there are also some really terrible designs in here. And on the whole, I feel like they've designed this generation to be a bit viral. So they're trying to go for memes a bit too much. They're trying to go for a cutesy appeal a bit too much. And a lot of the designs just feel very anthropomorphic. And I know this is a complaint that's been happening over the last few generations, but this one in particular, they're not only anthropomorphic, they've got occupations. Like the Pokemon have defined occupations um, more so in this generation than the others. So, you know, that's my take on it. I like some of them, I really do. But then there are others where I'm like, hold up, that's not Pokemon. John, what do you think? Are you looking at them? Okay, so I just noticed that all of the starters are like monotypes. Is that is that typical? Because I know the first generation was definitely monotypes. And I think the second generation, but my knowledge falls off. Yeah, generation one and two were monotypes. And then they switched it up. Up until three to, well, this generation now. Everyone was like, ah, oh, hope it's not firefighting. 
And I guess it's not, but it's not any more interesting because it's still just a fire Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. For Score Bunny. But I hadn't seen the evolutions, so this is my first time seeing the evolutions. Yeah, which is also strange because I think this, this time in the release cycle for Sun and Moon, they had shown the evolutions. I like the grass type. I'm not totally convinced by the fire type, and I'm not convinced by the water type either. I'm 100% with you. It's just that the the image that we're looking at is not the greatest definition, so it's hard to tell. I might be on board. Like I like the stance of the water type, just because it, it, it amuses me slightly. I think what's shocking about all three of them is that they're so different to the second evolution, and this isn't the first time this has happened. Like with I think it was Chespin, and then all the way up to um, Chesnor. It was like it was like a little circular thing, and then it turned into this brown uh, looking knight thing. So this well, is the first to time. Me, the second happened. evolutions were just boring, so I didn't even really look at them all that much. The basic stage. Yeah. They're all kinda cutesy. And then like their third form is like kinda serious. But like this awkward middle stage is weird. Like, I I'm actually okay with the middle stages because they look like they're older versions of the first stages. Except for the fire one. I guess like are they trying to, you know, make him more human? Like have them, you know, have a cute baby stage, then an awkward teenage years, and then like the adult stage. I I do not know, but this is what it looks like. What I was saying before with like the designs looking anthropomorphic and having occupations. Yeah, the grass starter, which is a monkey, becomes like a drummer. The fire rabbit becomes a football player. And the water starter becomes a water spy. To me, it looks more like a, a sassy fashion designer. Mm, yeah, right. Dancer. Yeah, there are some graphics floating around where he looks cooler, but still, like just looking at the proportions of the character, it's so different to the second like, it, it becomes this really tall, lanky lizard, which doesn't follow in, in my mind. But this, okay, this isn't the first time this has happened, so... I mean, Greninja is, like, literally a ninja, so... Yeah, I know, and um, the uh, Delphox is, like, a mage. Yeah, again, this isn't the first time it's happened, but I wish they would stop doing this. So you did some sketches of, like, what you thought the evolutions were going to be. Like, do these match up at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> but they were jokes, so... uh it was a pretty good stream though. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Yeah. So my, my take was I only did the grass and fire starters, but the grass um, turned into kind of like a old fighter with a oh, staff, yeah, that's right. with a bow staff. Uh, yeah, that was, that was dope. Yeah. Kind of like a shofu. And then the fire starter turned into a ballerina. <laughs> yeah. Well, miles away from that. But like... That would have been cooler though. That would have been, I thought that would be cool. But, you know, again, that's an occupation, which I kind of... Yeah, it is kind of anthropomorphized. I don't really have a problem with that. It's just some of the d designs are a bit lazy. And I suppose, like, that's been true for a while. Um, which ones in particular stand out to you? The teacup stands out to me. In a good way? The fox one? No, in a bad way. Okay. In, in like, this is pretty lazy. The fox one is basically just a fox. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a pretty good looking fox, but all the same. Yeah. I hate to say it, but Yampa. Yeah, just a dog. But yeah, it's adorable. Yeah. So is the the squirrel Pokemon is just. And Wooloo, we have sheep Pokemon. Yeah. But Wooloo is freaking adorable. I'm okay with like them going a bit more cutesy. Yeah. Not many of them really stand out and go, "Oh, this is interesting design." Like Corviknight's pretty cool. I like Very him. cool. Yeah, that was one of the in the first trailer I think that came out, and I was like, "That's yeah. actually cool. Like, I'm down with that." Grimstyle is actually a bit interesting. Oh yeah, that one's totally. Uh, I'm not into that. Just the proportions and the... I mean, it doesn't make sense for it to be in Pokemon, but it's kind of like an interesting demon-y evolution. Trend. Yeah, it's a Yokai Watch demon. 
If I would pro yeah, I pr probably wouldn't put it in Pokemon. <laughs> I don't mind Cramorant and the fish before him. Yeah, he's a bit derpy. Oh, is this the dude that like attacks with a fish in his mouth or something? Yeah, yeah I remember him. That was in a stream that yeah that we watched. Yeah. Exactly. That one's totally fine. But a lot of them, I just oh my god, Apple Tud. Oh, these are like egregious examples. Ice Q, Ice Q is terrible. Terrible, terrible. Phalanx, more like phalanx. <laughs> Actually, I don't really care about that one. That one, I don't feel. I don't, know. I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. It's just that joke was just laying there. It I was too easy to pass that. up. Dracozolt, Octozolt, Draco. Those are terrible names, and not interesting looking. Pokemon. So those ones. Um... According to the leaks, those are fossil Pokemon where you can mix and match the tops and bottoms, which is why they all sound kind of similar. And I get the I get the idea behind them, but to say that they're species of Pokemon that existed, like, can you imagine these abominations roaming the yeah. world? Like so this, they're ba they're literally science experiments gone wrong because you're mixing and matching the fossils to. Pokemon's horrifying in many ways. Oh yeah, definitely. There's a hidden element of horror in, in Pokemon. There is, and a lot of the Dex entries as well. But which is which is kind of cool. But I don't like any of those Pokemon. No. I felt like they could have had something more interesting though, as genetic fusions. These dogs are fine towards like right after the Arctovish. Uh yeah, they're the alternate forms of the box legendaries. Oh, they have alternate forms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I really actually don't like the box legendaries. No, I think even when we saw the box art, we were like, oh, this is really average. <laughs> this looks yeah. totally... Well, to me, it it doesn't look like Pokemon at all. They have sword and shield, and basically one's literally carrying a sword, and the other yeah. is basically his face as a shield. Yeah. Why are they dogs at all? Yeah, it's, it's ill-conceived, I think. It's not really my... Do, I think that I said they were like Digimon or something. Yeah. Like, oh, so Eternatus mm. is another legendary then? Yep, that's the thing that they're trying to defend from. Uh, yeah. I can't tell what's going on in this. In... No, that one's crazy. Weird design. People are saying it could be an Ultra Beast or something. Yeah, none of these other ones are particularly interesting. Ponyta is like... Mm. It's like My Little Pony, right? Yeah. So this is, again, what I said with my summary. I'm like, a lot of these, they look like they're just toy designs. They're just going for the uh, the cutesy appeal, which is fine. Like, they've done that in the past, yeah. but it seems like a lot more of it this time. Mm. Like, the My Little Pony. Yeah, What's no one... going on with Mr. Rhyme? That's, that's awful. Yeah. That's, that's... I also don't understand what the, what the design concept is there. Oh, is there like a Charizard alternate form or something? Those bottom two rows are the Gigantamax forms, and that's the Charizard. Oh, are they the raid style thing? I'm not sure exactly how they're going to implement it, but like, yeah, it was kind of like the mega forms. See, conceptually, that's actually interesting to me, like having a raid style battle in Pokemon. Mm. But I don't have faith that they're going to implement that in an interesting way. Well, there's already details out on how they have implemented them. There's like uh, four player battles versus one. There are special effects whenever the Gigamax or Gigantamax Pokemon attacks. The idea to me isn't very exciting. Yeah, especially in a single player game. I think it's like a good, I think that could be like a really cool like end game thing to do. The only thing that would worry me is locking content behind that. Because not everyone wants to play with people. Pokemon's traditionally like a, a single player experience. You don't 
mm. there is multiplayer elements, but you don't have to engage with it if you don't want to. Like well, pure unless you want to defeat, sorry, uh, fill the Pokedex, you got to trade. But I feel like the majority of the game can be experienced just by yourself, and nothing else is really locked behind it. I suppose the trading thing is a pretty big deal. But like to complete the main story, none of this is necessary. Like even the raids, I don't think they're going to make that part of you know getting to the Elite Four and everything like that. Yeah, but I'm worried maybe the only way to get those Pokemon is to like battle the Gigantamax form and then you'll have to go find three other people who play Pokemon or join a public group. Which would... I don't know if they would ham-fist it in that way. They probably have three NPCs to join you and then that's like the introduction to how it works and then set you off on your way if you want to do that. Yeah, I really don't know. Anyway, that covers our new Pokemon thoughts. I like some of them. I don't like a lot of them. None of them really interest me, and it makes me want them to include more of the original Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Gen 1-er. People would be, like, raving. Well, I feel even some of the later designs are better. Yeah. Like, just looking at the tiny images that I have in that list, I feel like the majority of the previous generations were better generations. It seems like the least interesting generation to me. Yeah. This is the least monstery generation, I think. Which is a problem when your game is called Pocket Monsters. Pocket Monsters. Well, I suppose it's technically not called Pocket Monsters in yeah. the West. So, how do we feel about Pokemon going forward, I guess? Good question. I am overall indifferent. I'm kind of just meh about it all. I will follow it because it is something that's been so big in my life. As of this generation, uh, I don't know if it started with Dexit or just the gameplay reveal. They've lost me, basically, and that's that's like their stated goal, I think. They wanted to keep it child-friendly, keep it for children, but I'll keep following it, but I'm, I'm not hopeful for the future. I think they will stick with this kind of basic gameplay, and unless there's a new developer for this game in the next year, which I don't think will happen, then this franchise is just going to continue doing what it will do, and it will continue to stay successful. Probably. Yep. So for me, I was already disinterested. I'm all follow it through you guys playing it. <laughs> and that's kind of enough for me to work out, like, do I want to jump back in? And usually the answer is no. In fact, almost Probably always not. the answer is no. Even when I say yes, the answer should have been no. Concept-wise, it's always intrigued me to have, like, these kind of arena gladiatorial battles. And I would like to see a more mature version of that. Like, Pokemon's definitely not the thing to do it with. I would like to see someone make a wholehearted effort to do a more mature version of this concept. Something with a more mature story, you know, something that actually says something. Yeah. But, you know, as video games continue, it seems games are more reluctant to say anything at all, so... Yeah. That might be a topic for another time. Perhaps. So ultimately, not particularly interested in Pokemon, probably not going to change in the near future. Exactly. And I'm kind of enjoying um, not caring as much because... I can put a lot of my time now into other efforts. <laughs> that's one good thing that's coming out of all of this sword and shield controversy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't need like another 100 hour game to play. Oh goodness, no, no. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for this first episode of Critically Casual with John and Nell. So if you want to discuss things further, join us on our Discord. If you want to give us some feedback, comment on SoundCloud or send us an email. Links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Critically Casual. Hope you enjoyed it. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> One podcast in the bag, kind of. Yep. Yeah. Till next time.